Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to Never Work Alone with Evan Miller and Christopher Denise. We're here with a very special guest, Mr. Steve Tharp today. Steve, please introduce yourself. Hey there. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, my name is Steve Tharp, and I am the owner of the It Was Tharp Design Company. I'm the um, senior artist as well, so a few different hats to be worn. Steve also wins the award for being the first guest to be remotely on the podcast. He's currently in San Diego, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm waiting for my trophy. You all are. <laughs> yeah, my, my trophy to be the first uh, remote guest. So you, you all are listening. Right? It's, it's a remote trophy. Yeah. I just hold it up here and you see a picture Perfect. of it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, Steve, we have you on here, and uh, I think a topic of discussion we'll, we'll jump into in a second. Uh, we, we wrote down a few topics, good topics, but to get us started, uh, freelancing versus business was something we were discussing mm-hmm. just before we started this. Uh, and I know many people may feel like there is a, a, a step that you're taking when you become a business and you hire other people, uh, but, but we kind of feel that there is a level of freelancing to business itself, and, and, I, and I feel that you, you fall in that category. Can you discuss mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, the difference between freelancing and, and business? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that they're two so very much in, intertwined. Uh, I think the big differences between, you know, freelancing and, and a business is really all about perception. Um, when you go, you know, when you're on a freelancing gig, you kind of do everything by days. It's like, okay, I know I'm going to be on this project this day, that project that day. When you transition to having a business, you know that you need to have so many projects in a week to cover your overhead and whatnot and, and, and to grow and make a living, et cetera, et cetera. And so to do that effectively, you have to hire other people like yourself. So in doing that, you become a manager of people, which that, that is probably the single largest leap from being a freelancer to, I'll loosely say, a business owner. Uh, because when you're a freelancer, you're always looking for the next job. When you're a business owner, you're always looking for the next 10 jobs. So it's, it's really just an economy of scale. Both are pretty damn identical. What I would say in looking at, uh, your business and my business, um, you know, we're both teams of freelancers and Mm -hmm. as, as small businesses, we're not. Uh, we don't have a cl- we don't have an audience out there that is buying our product. We have to go find a client who needs us to do a job, and it's a very I think that's a big just part of the distinction between freelancing and perhaps being a company, a standard, you know, retail store, Wid- widget maker. Yeah, widget maker. Yeah, there you go. So since I'm sort of the odd one out here, and that I'm I'm not really a business owner, I consider myself more of a freelancer. I'm wondering, is there a point in your in your progress or your career where you decide? that I'm old enough or I'm, I'm wise enough, I'm more experienced enough that I can start to manage, that you, you, know, you, well, you don't have that right when you can't start as yeah. a manager without that I'll take experience. that right now. That, that is the transition I am currently going through, <laughs> and it is mm-hmm. a very stressful, very uh, painful transition somewhat. I mean, I've managed people in the past, but it, it's, it's been a long time since I was anything more than me and the occasional sidekick person, you know, out on a right. freelance gig, or maybe I, I hired two or three guys for a gig, but it was still just me. The business was me. And I would say we, uh, and now it's really starting, it's, it's taking off and we're doing so many different things, um, you know, including the, they're trying to open a new studio where, uh, we've got multiple clients. I've got three different editors on different projects this week. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking you just said it right. It's you say we. That's yeah. the perspective. 
Yep. Is instead mm-hmm. of saying I'm working for you, it's we are working for you. Yeah, right. And now that that really means something. It used to be me bluffing, and now it really means this team of dedicated people that I go to. I still don't quite have employees, but they're yeah. darn close. Yeah. They yeah. could probably fight in court and say they were. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, Evan brings up a great question of, you know, really the question is how do you know when you're ready to make that leap? And do either of you have kids? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that leap is analogous to saying when am I ready to have a kid? You're never ready to have a kid. <laughs> Anybody who's had a kid, you know, who's listening to this right now is going, oh, my God, I remember that moment. And then you find out you're having a kid. Boom, you're immediately ready. <laughs> so really, it's just getting out of your comfort zone for that first time and going, this is what we're going to do. And you will fail. And that and that's okay. I mean, you know, there's no shortage of people on the Internet right now telling you it's okay to fail. No, but (laughs) what? But, you know, I mean, everybody is saying this. It's okay to fail. Fail quickly. You know, fail fast. It's just another way to improve. It's very easy to say that it's very difficult to go through it. So, you know, when you're when you're freelancing, there are plenty of opportunities to fail and you know loosely saying it's not gonna kill you you know it's like okay yeah it'll probably leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth or you know a client may not call you but it's like okay i you know, just moving right along when you make that transition from a freelancer to a business owner failing can mean a lot mm-hmm. you know you, you you said it you have freelancers working for you you have responsibilities. You say you don't have employees yet, but you're very, very close. Yeah. So if you fail in bringing in work, those people can't work. Exactly. And that is that is a huge stressor. Right. Yeah. So that's and why that's it's okay. Like kids too. Yeah. It's like kids. Exactly. So, you know, when I in, in my day to day, before I became a business owner, I'd sit down and go, oh. What am I going to do today? Okay, I got, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll take care of these things. Now being a business owner is what can I have people do today? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So here I want to finish your analogy a little bit and just take it back to like, you know, you're saying it's like becoming a father is becoming a freelancer. Right. And you mm-hmm. look back on those days. Do you look back on your freelancing days like life was so easy, you know, like, oh, man, you know, like if only I had that kind of time. I think I think everybody can can go through and have like that, you know, golden age syndrome, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, Me and my romanticism. But it was him and the camera and me and the sound pulling a clipboard. Yeah, Yeah. it was two two guys in a boom mic with a camera and we were shooting eight millimeter and we, you know, everybody was just happy. Right. But, you know, it's we also were broke. We it's also were living broke. in terrible apartments. Right. And, right. <laughs> and so I think my analogy is that people like say water. that about before they had kids, right? They're like, oh, yeah. life was so much better before I had kids. But they right. obviously made the choice to have kids. Yeah. They, ju- they almost say that facetiously, right? Because it's like once you're a business owner, you're not going to turn around and go, you know what? I'm just going to throw away all this responsibility and order and, you know, <laughs> stuff in my life right. for, for that. Right. You know. 
You know, I, yeah. there was As a, I get uh, older and my, older. <laughs> right. My wife and I were watching a movie the other day, and uh, I, f- I forget what movie it was. It was probably a rom-com. Guarantee it was a rom-com. And one of, one of the actors in it was, was talking about being a father. And the actor said, it's awful. It is stressful. It, it is, it is, uh, it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. And then something miraculous happens. (laughs) And then it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. And then something miraculous happens. (laughs) That is that, that really just kind of sums up being a parent. And it also sums up being a business owner mm-hmm. because there are so many moments where you're like, oh, man, <laughs> you know, I mean, especially in this industry, dealing with artists, artists, I'm an artist, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Artists are a pain in the ass. We've been through that on the show yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, how, how do I manage this personality and how do I make them work with this personality over here? Oh, yeah. And that is that it, it's it, when you when you hit that transition it it changes your stress perception you know freelancing to a business owner is all about perception so you're not stressed about the job anymore you're stressed about getting these people to work together yeah well i feel one one slight uh, slight little anecdote i feel like you start learning how to call bullshit a lot easier a lot better because sure. you've been through that mm-hmm. and yeah. you now you know what what they're going through so you there's there's a little bit of pension, the empathy pension that comes in that's like, ooh, I don't want to overtax them the way I was overtaxed. And then there's mm-hmm. also the, yeah, but I know what I can put them through because I know I know what that whiny complaint actually means. <laughs> right. I'm, I've made it before, too, and it was me trying to get out of something. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's like you, you start – it's – again, you know, I just go back to perception because – you know, you, you start looking at, you know, what you do in the day to day and what frustrated you as a freelancer no longer frustrates you because you have so many more things to worry <laughs> about. And that's and that's a great thing. It's not that these decisions should be easy. It's that these are decisions that you've kind of secretly always wanted to make. And now you have the opportunity. So it's not just per what we're saying perspective; it's also perception. Yes, I think yeah, they're related. Yeah, I, I think it, it's kind of like and well, and it's a, also yeah. about well. I'll throw another p word in there. It's also about perseverance mm-hmm. because <laughs> it's. I see a cat hanging from a limb. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's it's there's so many moments in this transition, just like becoming a father. There's so many moments in there where you're like, wow, had I known it was going to be like this, I may have rethinked this. <laughs> but just like, you know, for those of your listeners who are fathers or mothers, they'll go, yeah, th- that, that moment is painful. That moment's painful. But the rewards on the other side are an order of magnitude greater. And that's exactly what this whole thing is about right okay so as a business owner you need perseverance you're not freelancing one day and not the next your business every single day of the year it's a commitment that exactly you can't just waffle in and out of yeah 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 it's not it's not a nine to five it's not a seven to seven it is it's a 24-hour thing there there are nights where 
you know, just like anybody else where you can't sleep, you wake up and, you know, when you're a freelancer, you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to kick on some Call of Duty. You know, I'm going to play for a couple hours and do my thing. Yeah, it's three in the morning. I don't really have to start until 10. So, you know, blah, blah. It's fine. But as a business owner, you wake up and you're like, which industry am I going to tackle today? <laughs> you know, it's like you start looking at opportunities. You know, you're, you're cruising around Facebook and you're not really looking at what your friends are posting. You're looking at what ads are up there yeah. and going, okay, I see what they did there. That kind of sucked. I'm going to reach out because I can do a better job. I think for the first time, honestly, in a very long time, I get up now and go, all right, what do I have to do before 5 p.m.? Because that's what all the people I have to talk to today, that's when they're going to shut down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as yeah. a freelancer, it was like, I might have one person to call today or think about that or whatever. If I don't get them, get to them today, I'll do it tomorrow. And now it's more like, that's my only job today is to manage that yeah. and mitigate that and make sure that that person's calling that person. And I can't do any of that after 5. Oh, Okay, <laughs> especially if right. I have to yeah. call Britain. Yeah, well, th that's the other thing that it's it's dealing with time zones, mm -hmm. and you know, as as a freelancer, you kind of you know fish in your own pond. It sounds as a like business owner. This might be a good segue into juggling projects. Is how mm -hmm. do you manage you know sure, that yeah. work life balance, or how do you manage like when you're in the heat of a project and a really good opportunity comes knocking? How do you how do you not just ignore it? How do you well, that, that's part of, that's keep part of that the freelance and business owner uh, and business, I guess, uh, uh, Venn diagram, as I said earlier, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. is, is, is exactly you're, as a freelancer and business owner, small business owner especially, you don't get to, you, you kind of have to do both. You have to say, yeah, I'm going to do nine to five. And then when I get those calls after five, I'm also going to take those for a mm -hmm. lot of this. Because as a okay. business owner, I may be able to let my staff go home and say, you guys are done for the day. We're wrapped for the day on this video, whatever, go dump the footage, et cetera. And then if they, the client calls and wants X, Y, Z, or wants to deal with it, wants to talk with, wants to meet with, that's my 11, 14 hour day. Right, so yeah, yeah juggling exactly. for you is working double time. Yeah, it does, especially as you're growing that. Now, I've finally gotten a project manager, for instance, that I'm able mm -hmm. to put some of that stuff off to, and that's that's that little bit of breathing room, that little bit of steam that, that lets off as you finally, you know, the, from the beginning, I'm sure that you'll, you've, you went through this in the very, very beginning. It's just like 24 hours you um, oh, getting yeah. that, that built together, and then you can start kind of bleeding a little of that, that steam and that pressure off on other people letting go of control a little bit yeah yeah well you know in in talking about juggling and you know evan brings up you know a scenario that everybody deals with you're going to go home for the night or you're going to go on a family vacation and a call yeah. comes in and what do you do or you know how do you manage you know your your daughter going home before you can or your daughter going to sleep before you can get home Mm. And with is this exact scenario right now, my daughter's going to go to sleep in about 30 minutes. And this is one of those Sorry. nights where, no, 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 <laughs> it's fine. This is one of those nights where I won't be able to tuck her in. And the key to managing that is you just do the best you can. And there's no magic bullet. There's no, I'm come hell or high water. I'm going to be out of the office at five o'clock. Well, lots yeah. and lots and lots of money is the magic bullet. But. Right, yeah, right. But to get to that <laughs> point, yeah. to get to that point, you got you got to put in the sweat equity. 
And Absolutely. you know, as as a freelancer, you could certainly pick and choose the jobs you want to work on. And as a business owner, you can pick and choose the jobs you want to work on. The um, the really the only difference is is budget. You know, because when you're a business owner, you're dealing with higher budget jobs. And when those people call, those phones get answered. So I'm reminded of a situation I had when I was doing uh, the Super Bowl 51. And you're dealing with people in all time zones. You're dealing with people who also have kids who have made arrangements with their spouse that I'm going to work from, you know, eight at night to three in the morning. And that's going to be my day because in the morning I'm the babysitter. You know, I mean, people have, you know, crazy schedules just like the next person. But when you're working on a project of a high caliber and they call, you have to answer the phone. And if there's a problem, you have to fix it because the buck stops with you. It's an overused cliche, but it is in, it is it's a cliche because it works. So it, it's, that is, that is the brutal truth is that the buck stops with you. And if, if you want to make that transition, it's, it's a mindset change. So speaking of mindset changes, uh, maybe we could segue that into another topic that we would really like to tackle, which is raising your rates and when to do it. As right. quick as you I can. I had a story I could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was contacted recently for a job basically to revamp a video I did a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, put some new footage in there mm-hmm. and uh, almost the same exact delivery, you know, very straightforward. So I first thought, oh, you know, I need a say my rates have gone up my first thing and then i thought this is literally like using the same project with almost the same footage the delivery expectations are so much there i would i would feel like i'm stretching it to ask for more money when the Mm -hmm. project has actually gotten simpler a year on Mm -hmm. and i also don't want to come back and ask for more money when this guy as the first thing when he comes to me after a year because i still feel like this is working on a relationship Mm -hmm. and You know, it's just the second job. And so I don't know. I wanted to talk to you guys about just because it's a year. I know that's kind of a mile marker. But if it's the second job, how would you feel about this thing? Well, good. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, I, there are moments like these you, you definitely remember and they stand out very sharply. And some of these exchanges go very well and some of them don't go well at all um it's 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 almost akin to if you were going to walk into a coffee shop and you paid three dollars for you know a normal black drip coffee and you go in a year later and now it's eight bucks and you're like wow that was that was a huge jump and this coffee tastes the exact same and it's the exact same size you'd probably look at it and go, I'm not sure if there's enough value there to warrant that increase in price. So what I usually do is- But if it was, if it was a year later and it was a dollar more, you might, right? You might. Well, that's hypothetical. Let, you let, might. Let's finish. Now, the, the point I'm making is generally paying more for the same value People usually don't like that. When you have a commodity like 
gasoline or coffee. <laughs> you you do it because it's something you need. Now, the design industry as a whole is becoming commodified. So anybody can go anywhere and get something done. It's incredibly easy. You could go onto Elance and find great people three clicks away. So um, Elance should be a sponsor of this now, just to let you know. Um, <laughs> so now in in Evan's case, you know, I don't know anything about the job. I don't know anything about the client. But if the client came to you and said, hey, I got these little changes, uh, what will it cost to do that? A couple ways you can do that. You could just give the person a flat rate going, okay, well, I know what I charged last time. I'm going to add 20% to this. And he or she will probably go, okay, yeah, that's fine. Or they'll go. Sorry, that was what I meant with the black coffee comment with the $1 up. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Like, so, But the other thing is another way you could do it is go, yeah, I can totally do this change. You know, there were a few little color correction things. Now that we're doing this, redelivering this project, I want to tweak a couple of those moments. There's this little audio edit. I didn't catch it the first time, but I'm going to fix that for you. And this graphic on the end tag, I'm going to make that like three frames longer. Whatever the case is, you're adding that value to the project, it's above and beyond what that client was actually asking for. So if you come to the table saying, hey, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this, and by the way, the price is gonna be this. The price becomes secondary, the value exceeds the price now. I see. So, so I think my approach is a little bit different there. Um, in this case, because uh, I do raise my rates pretty much annually. Mm -hmm. It's not always uh, it's not always January, but it's usually right around January. I actually go through. I start thinking about it right about now and start working on what our rates are going to be for the next year. Sure. I've been doing that for probably four or five years now uh, consistently. And as I had realized you know, a little while ago, that I needed to start doing that. Mm -hmm. And it needed to be, as you're saying, we're getting very compartmentalized and very cookie cut in, in many aspects, not just design, but in video as well. Oh, sure, yeah. So, clients start expecting to have a little bit more cookie cut price, not this kind of arbitrary, you know, even on the larger projects, the $20,000 projects, the $50,000 projects, they still tend to want just not an arbitrary price. They want something consistent, standard. Mm -hmm. So I, I created that for, for our company. And I think in this case, um, I've, I've tackled that probably two or three times now in the past couple of years where, where I've, I've started to have clients that are two, three, four year long clients and they come back. And that's what I what I do. If, if it's straightforward like this, I don't think I've had quite exactly this, but um, a very similar situation uh, was I just told the client, "Look, uh, you know, we started this project at this rate, so we're going to go ahead and do this this uh, this next one for you at the same rate we charged you last year. But beware, uh, just be be forewarned that in the future our rates have gone up. So new work that's not part of the same project that we started with you previously is going to be at a higher rate. And after this project, even on this project, we're probably going to go up to that higher rate. Just so you're aware of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I haven't had any problem with that. Um, I have had uh, a couple of clients that have walked away knowing that our rates are, are much higher now, or I've I've, I've given them recommendations. Um, and instead of having them directly say. Uh, you know, have, have to have them ask me and then me be like, oh, well, here's my rate. And, oh, it's clear there's something you can't afford now. I, it's For me, it's been clients who it's it's been pretty straightforward that I've gone, oh, you know, they've come back and asked for maybe a music video or something simple that I've sure. done in the past. And then I'm like, oh, I, I don't even do that anymore. Um, so I've, I've taken or I've taken a look at it and said, you know, we're just we're a little out of your range at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But here's a couple of guys that I recommend. 
Okay. Very, yeah, that's, I think that's smart, right? You want to you want to help your client solve their problem. Yeah. You don't it just if they can't afford you. You still want to at least yeah. do. I think a good courtesy, common grace. That goodwill is going to go down call the road. this person. Well, right? because here, yeah. here's it's the like thing: things. they yeah. can't afford you right now. Yep. That doesn't mean they the next later. project that comes in. And I have will. literally had that. Mm-hmm. I have literally had somebody I had to send to somebody else who then six months, eight months later came back and was like, thanks, thanks, thanks. That was great. We actually have the budget for what we want to do now. And we've been waiting to work with you guys. Wow, that's Beautiful. great. We're working yeah. on one of their edits right now. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Steve, I, I wanted to kind of toss the question to you and, and say, have you had to deal with somebody walking away from balking at a budget? And then how, what steps do you take after that? Absolutely. Um there was a now for full disclosure this job actually didn't go through uh but it actually wasn't because of budget um the i had a referral <laughs> and it was it was an interesting referral i met this person once and was they it had a motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> no um it uh they they have a a web design company and their client uh, needed video work done. And he had a lot of video work done. And so I met with them and they needed, oh gosh, it was like, I don't know, like 50 or 60 videos in kind of a 45 second, 60 second window. So we're talking about, you know, a fair amount of content. And I gave them a price and it was a big number. And normally I don't usually send uh, blind proposals in that I don't know what their budget is. Usually when I do send one, I know their budget. In this case, the talks didn't even progress to that. But anywho, so I sent them a proposal and it was a large dollar amount. They called me up and goes, you know, this is a lot more than what we were expecting. You know, we, we can't even remotely afford this. And I was like, oh, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. 60 videos. That's a lot of videos. So I broke it down as to why it was this dollar amount. And they looked at it and go, okay, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Steve, you can multiply. Yes, I can. (laughs) And so, you know, and then, you know, we left, left as friends and they were saying, you know, I, we just feel we can get this done a lot cheaper. And, and I made a joke and I said, oh, I know you can. There, there's no issue there. No, you can definitely get it cheaper. Uh, and then, you know, I went kind of through my, my spiel about why you shouldn't get it cheaper. So they, they went off and they got it done cheaper. And they did one of 60 videos, gave me a call back and said, you know what? Your price is pretty darn good now. And mm-hmm. that pushed the job forward. Um, so it's, it's interesting when... And, and, that's, and that is a mindset change from a freelancer to a business owner because a freelancer would go, okay, yeah, you know what, I can, yeah, we'll, we'll knock, you know, $150 off my day rate, you know, whatever it is. And, and we'll make it work. We'll make it work, yeah. <laughs> and not that you're not going to negotiate when you're a business owner, but you know your minimum level of engagement a lot yeah. more than when you're a freelancer. Well, it's easier. Your minimum level of engagement is usually sitting there in front of you as your team. And you're going. I have to pay him, her, her, and uh, yeah. Okay, it's usually my daughter, that. <laughs> or or that. Yeah, or I have to feed that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which exactly. is why it's easier as a freelancer to knock off 150 bucks because you're just worried about yourself. Right? Yeah. Like, okay, exactly. well, I won't 
do that thing this month. Wait, it is, and it's a lesson I learned as a freelancer in multiple ways because I still freelance uh, as a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I still consider my company a bit of a freelance company. But it is a lesson I had to learn was, no, no, no. It's not just for freelance. It's not just for business owners to say, no, no, no. I've got a bottom line. You'd have to give yourself one as a freelancer as well. We discussed Absolutely. it on the show before. And holding your ground. It yeah. sounds like you guys are both advocates for holding your ground mm-hmm. and making your client come back to you. You know, because yeah. you have to understand the value that you're offering. Right. It's such a difficult hurdle to get past, but I swear to God, every single time I hold my ground and le- and, and force myself to do it for for longer periods of time. I get more and better clients out of it. Absolutely. I get people paying more money. And you're just like, it's that simple. It really is. So I think the lesson here is maybe ask for an incremental amount more, Mm -hmm. show the value that you're asking for, and so don't worry about the fact that it seems easier or it's already halfway done or anything like that because there's a lot of value that you're adding. and. That value would be lost if they went to somebody else, right? Yeah. So that, that value is already in me. <laughs> and, yeah. and I will also throw perception on that as well. Be aware of your value. If you aren't adding more value, don't think you can, you can ask for more money this year. You can't. You have to improve your services to do that. A hundred percent agree. There was a, I, I know, I, Evan, I know you want to move on, but there's this great story <laughs> that I read. And it, it almost doesn't matter if it's true. I mean, you could call this segment fake news, but it was this great thing that came out about this um, uh, secretary or, or, or assistant to Elon Musk over at SpaceX. And she wanted a raise. And Elon retorted back, why don't you take two weeks off? I'll do your job. And then when you get back, we'll talk about your raise. And so... Two weeks goes by, you know, she's vacationing in Bora Bora, whatever. Comes back, meets with Elon. Elon goes, you know what? I can do your job. Fired. (laughs) So your value, you got to have that in check. If you're not giving value to the person who's paying you, then as you eloquently put it, you can't ask for more. But if you're looking to increase your value then raise raise your rates commensurate with that again that story could be completely false but it's still a hell of a good story (laughs) yeah even if it is false i'm sure it's one that goes back through the ages and is told by many civilizations and cultures throughout (laughs) the world to motivate young men and women (laughs) yes to to motivate the working class (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so i wanted to ask about uh your specialty. I know that you you sort of come up to be more of a generalist and a designer. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I'd like to talk about sort of where you first started and, and your path upwards. Sure. So I first started doing newspaper and magazine print ads when I was about 13 or 14 years old. And which is back in the day. You know, this was <laughs> this was 1993, 1992, somewhere around there. That's right when that song came out, too. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't even have a bank account. I had I needed my parents to cash the checks. So it was it was it was an interesting time. And but I learned a lot. You know, just just like anybody when they first start, you know, they really, really it's that first job where they really cut their teeth on stuff. 
And so what'd you learn specifically? What'd you learn about well, the printmaking process or about business? No, really just about design, typography. Oh, okay. That gotcha. was like the mm. big thing, typography. And as, as an offshoot for any designers who are looking to become better designers, learn typography. It seemed, I seem to, to see that thread on, on in, in various venues. That yeah. Typography is something you wouldn't think of as an incredibly important aspect of design. Oh, yeah. If you can make something look beautiful with three lines of text, that, that it's, it's like, you know, drawing a perfect circle. You know, it is like one of those things that sets someone apart from the other. So, anywho, so I, I was in the print business uh, for a little while. Um, and then I got into the web design business probably when I was, I'd say, 16, 17, somewhere around there. So that would have been 97. Right. It's like right as web design right. blossomed. Right when people still didn't know what www meant. They just <laughs> knew they had to type it in to get somewhere. So <laughs> it was it was around then. And I remember because Flash, uh, I think in like 9, no, it was 97, like 95, 96, somewhere around there, like Flash came out. And it was just like the mm -hmm. end all be all of everything. So I worked in that space and I did a lot of programming which would help me much later on in my career and I didn't even know it. So I'll, I'll mm. get to that. So I stayed in the web design business for a little while. And when I was about 20, I'd say 2021, somewhere around there, I got into now earlier than that, probably like 19, uh, I got into video really okay. heavily and I started doing effects work for a lot of independent films. And that was... What was the program like at that time? It was After Before Effects. <laughs> oh, God, what was it? It was, I mean, it was, it was well into the low single-digit versions. I think it was probably like yeah. two. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, it was... I think you're talking two at that point. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah it, was very, it was very in its infancy. But so I started doing that, rotoing out wires and whatnot for like puppeteers and all that stuff, so... Went down the reason that I road. ask about yeah. that, Steve, is just because I think you started at web development or web design right when it first started, yeah. and you maybe started with video graphics sort of in early After Effects days. So yeah. I would say you started yeah with with uh, independent vi visual effects because it, that was unheard of before those times. Oh it, yeah, yeah. To do it back okay. in the day, yeah, you you were on a. Um, you know, a, yeah, you were on a, you know, a flame or something that ran on O2 uh, from SGI yeah. and it was just, you know, you couldn't afford it. So it seems like that probably was a good way to come into it because the programs were new mm -hmm. and it was sort of a new thing that it was very easy for someone to get in at a very low level of experience, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's like in the land of the blind, the one eyed man is king. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was easy because nobody else was doing it. So it was it was like kind of shooting fish in a barrel so you could just do whatever you wanted and i started integrating a lot of the video stuff into web design so you know i moved forward and then looked backwards and it was uh it was i've, I've kind of used that strategy <laughs> going forward through life so when i was doing you know a lot of video then i worked at a traditional agency where I did video, I did web, and I did print. So it was kind of, you know, two steps forward, one step back. 
But um, then I, I really, really got into 3D. And to kind of preface that, I got into 3D. I was living with my parents, and I was – well, of course I was living with my parents. I was like 14 or 13 or something. <laughs> um, and 3D Studio 1 came out. And that was like – that was the end all be all. Oh, wow. And there was yeah. an educational discount, and it was like $1,200. <laughs> And yeah, I yeah. worked my ass off at 13 years old to get $1,200 to buy this ridiculous program that ran on DOS. And God. I was, and it took it took <laughs> hours to render one frame, but it was oh, yeah. it was beautiful. It was like I was I was doing stuff that like nobody in my town was doing, and confident in saying nobody in my county was doing. <laughs> so it was it was great. And and I'd use a lot of those 3D graphics in web design and I would use them in print. So it's just, you know, kind of moving forward. Now, my big thing is doing augmented reality now. So I'm taking typographic design because that's I feel the root of all good design is typography. Then you're taking the programming aspect that I learned in web design and then I'm taking the 3D that I learned you know I've always have learned and putting it into a nice package with motion graphics video and all that stuff so it's kind of like you know move forward look back at what you know you've done in the past going oh I can do a different spin on that I'm going to use those as ingredients for this next project so that's, so that's kind of how now I Now you have a big stew of ingredients and you've exactly. kind of stirred them together and you see d- the word designer in that. Huh? Yep, yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so you're, you, do you, you own a business? Uh, do you have a separate name other than your own? Well, so I have an LLC, which is an umbrella, and there's a right. few different DBAs under that, but my design one is it was Tharp. Okay. And so you're the you have a office as well? I do, yes, down here in uh, Temecula. So that brings us to our next topic. Well, I kind of wanted to just finish off too, which is if there's other people (laughs) that work in the office with you and talk about the office environment. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe that's where you were going. Yeah, well, realistically, what is it time to get out of the house as a freelancer? That's, you know what, that's, that's, that's kind of like one of those questions that you could put off for a very long time. And when I, cause I left, I was VP at a a design company for about 10 years, nine and change. And I decided to leave that company and start my own. In between that, those two life changing moments, I freelanced for a while just to be like, okay, I, I need a change of scenery, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was freelancing out of my house for, I don't like call it two years, something like that. And in that two years, I pretty much went insane. Like I could not work from my home anymore. It was, I never left. I didn't go, I didn't talk to anybody. I was like, I was a hermit. I was a design hermit. And it was, it was kind of miserable for me. And my wife would come home and I'd be like, hey, let's go out. I'm going to talk your ear off right now. <laughs> and, you know, she's been out. She's been doing stuff. She gets home. She's like, oh, my God, I just want to stay in. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, 
why would you want to do this? I need to get out of here. And so it was, it was kind of at that time I started really, really looking for office space. And when I was this in... This is before you had kids as well? No. <laughs> no, no. Okay. No. While you had kids. While I had kids, yes. Yeah. Um, now, the saving grace is my daughter would go to daycare because... I mean, there there are probably that people that got you out of the house. Well, <laughs> taking yeah, her a little to daycare. bit. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. I I got out of the house twice. It was taking her <laughs> to get daycare and picking her up. Now, I'm sure there are some artists much better than I who can care for a nine month old and do amazing design work. I am not one of them. I was like, I I'm sorry. I need daycare. Daughter has to go somewhere. Daddy's got to make money. So it was, uh, that was the saving grace. But I, I finally found an office um, in the desert where I was living. And it was like, it was like buying a new car. Like you just <laughs> wanted to go drive your car, you know? And it's, and it's not like, you know, you just bought an R8 or something. It's like you got a little Volkswagen GTI and you were just happier than a pig in mud that you have this car. It smells great. It works great. That was my office. I went there and I was like, oh, my God, I can actually think. And that was that was huge. And when I went home, I actually went home because the downside of having a home office, you're always at the office. This, the, you know, you have it like in a third bedroom or a loft or whatever. And every time you walk by that computer staring you in the eye. And that computer is going, don't you want to work on this a little bit longer? Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you can't get the separation. And so the benefits are, are twofold. You get out of the house. You get to meet people because chances are your office is around other businesses. Mm-hmm. And you can go talk to those businesses. And you'll probably get more business from that. But it also allows you to go home and actually go home. You know, whether you're married or have a girlfriend or have a kid, you know, whatever the case is, it allows you to go home and focus on something else. There are plenty of uh, um, papers psychologists have written saying the best time to do your work is not when you're at work, is giving your brain that rest to think about problems, to solve those problems when you're actually not focused on solving them. So having that, that distance gap, and it doesn't have to be big. My office was less than a mile from my house. And it took me like, I don't know, 2.7 minutes to get from here to there. So, but it was just, but it was, a it was that psychological, yeah, yeah. It was that psychological break that allowed me to do a lot better work. It was like, right when so, I, right when I got that office, I got uh, a job for Toyota. I was doing projection nope, mapping. Nope. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Don't mention clients. They try not to mention the oh, client. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I well, but did a job for a car manufacturer. <laughs> you should be proud for yeah. sure. <laughs> and uh, a large sporting event. So it was, you know, those <laughs> ha- it was it was like now now you're now you're in it to win it. It's like you got an office and it's yeah. like it it comes full circle going like, okay, this, I'm a business now. 
So what took you so long, Steve? I mean, it, it seems to me like it might be two reasons. Like yeah. it could be the cost. And mm-hmm. the other thing is like, it seems kind of ridiculous that why would you need to leave the house, right. go a mile down the road? Mm-hmm. You're t- telling yourself, I don't need that. Right. right? Yeah. Especially for pragmatism thing. You're telling yourself that the whole, I, I, we've discussed a little bit of my getting out of, uh, you know, opening our studio and why it was largely because I couldn't take a client to to my, my apartment's uh, okay. living room. Sure. You know, and, and it's, you keep thinking, oh, it's all pragmatism. I'm saving money. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And it doesn't until it really hits you, especially when you, for me, it was that first big client that wasn't familiar. It was somebody from London and some, some big company out there. We had no tie to them from any, it wasn't a word of mouth thing. They'd found us on a Google and the whole time they're here, it was embarrassing. And it was just like, oh, I needed that perspective. And yeah. then as soon as I got it, Oh my God! World of change. My ability to function was went way up. My ability to interact and socialize with people, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. It was. I had. I'd be hermit was a great term. I was a hermit for so long. Yeah. And it's 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 bad for business. It's bad for your health. It's bad for your emotional health. Don't hermit. Honestly, get yeah. get something. Hashtag don't hermit. Age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this I know. Day, well, in this day and age of co working spaces, and not even to toot my own that I'm working on. Get the heck out of your living room and go spend three, four hundred dollars a month. That's like one gig. That's yeah. like one day. Yeah. Go find that one gig that you can do that month that pays for that little office you have and do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you really can't and you really need a solution, there's yeah, coffee really, shops and parks. And it, there's there's op- there's libraries. Start right? with Starbucks if you have to. Start yeah. with with Starbucks office, Starbucks cubicle, whatever you want to call it. Um, you got to really say Starbucks. I said coffee shop. And you threw the name. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going Kleenex with it. I'm going Kleenex with it. Starbucks. We're going to get so many sponsors after this concept. show. But no, that, the, the, corner, the corner cubicle, you know, fine. Right, uh, whatever right. you want to call it. Yeah, the coffee cube. More than right. The coffee cube. There's more than that out there. But, um, yeah, get the heck out of your living room. And don't let yourself be us and take so long to tell yourself and teach yourself. Well, for but, me, at least. But that's the other thing is that you'll have people come up to you going, yeah, you should get an office. And you're like, oh, no, no, I I don't need to. But once that moment clicks, you're like, damn, I wish somebody told me sooner. (laughs) You know? So, yeah, Yeah. 100% agree. Get out and do it. Yeah, dogged by this, I think all of us, all all people are dogged by this a little bit. And I feel I... Better than some, learned this a little bit earlier, and I watched people older than me saying, especially, and this was, having an older brother helped, you're 9 or 10 years old, and you're watching older people admonish a 14 or 15-year-old going through the middle of puberty, mm-hmm. but all the things that they screwed up, and all the things that they did, and all this, and it's exactly the same as everything we went through. No, you don't know anything about my struggle. You don't know anything about what I'm going through. And I, as an 8 or 9 or 10-year-old, watching that going, you know what? He sounds so stupid right now. I don't want to sound like that when I'm his age. And I wasn't perfect about it, but I did. I remember catching myself repeatedly, and I still do to this day, going, you know what? People told you that, uh, that uh, you know, people have said things about this, and you're saying the exact cliche thing you said sounded stupid when you were younger. Right. You know, so that, yourself that's on the this wrist. whole podcast for me. We're going to say a lot of stupid stuff, and people are going to listen to it and be like, oh. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. So I'm not going to go exactly. not work without an office. Please right, listen right. to us. Listen to us and know that we're speaking from the heart and from truth. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But some t- some sometimes you really have to learn those lessons for yourself. Yeah, I think you know we can we can kind of wrap it up here. I I think uh, if Steve, I want to open it up. If there's anything that you yeah. want to sort of talk about, expertise or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would say 
this and this is a struggle for anybody who calls themselves or herself an artist is that you are going to have to find someone better than you. That is that's a tough mental barrier because artists get intimidated by other artists. Mm-hmm. And if if you want to become a business owner, you have to replace yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I have a business advisor who who I adore and when I told him that, you know, I really wanted to to start this business. He said, the only way you're going to, you're going to be able to do this is if you're not pushing pixels, you know, a video guy. I love doing it. Like, why would I stop doing it? So you got to make the decision. Do you want to be an artist or do you want to be a business owner? And because for me to grow, I can't do every job. I mean, it's just not possible. Nope. For me to grow, I actually can't art direct every job. No, I, I was the bottleneck in my yeah, company. Absolutely. I have been up until I finally let go of every last little piece of it. I don't edit. I don't run camera. Uh, I don't. You're fired. Probably. Yeah, I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was it was great advice. And and it's not that I have 100 percent followed the advice. Um it's like everything it's a work in progress there are still jobs that i'm going to animate because i like doing it there are jobs where it's like well you know this would be a lot of fun or it's something that our company has never done and it's like you know what i'm i'm gonna own that we're gonna we're gonna see if this is worthwhile but like you like you had mentioned um you have somebody who has taken, you know, kind of the management aspect of the business. And it's like, okay, you, you have somebody to offload that to. I recently got a producer because I realized I can't do it all. And that's a really, that's a hard yeah. thing for an A-type personality to. you got to be the salesman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to go out and sell. And that's another thing. If you're not selling every day, then. That's you're a, not a business. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have you have to sell every day. So yeah. every, every moment you're not selling and doing instead, right. you're losing money. Exactly. Coffee is for closers. So you got to be out there. <laughs> you got to be selling and you got to be adding value to your work and whatnot. But, you know, I I have somebody to take care of of my books. I You know, you have a CPA and now I have somebody mm-hmm. who actually manages all the invoices and manages, you know, paying artists and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, on the surface, like that's, you would think like, well, that, how hard could that be? You know, it's not like, you know, we have (laughs) 10,000 invoices a month, you know, how hard is is it to do, you know, process 50 of them? It's like, it's, it's just like, realistically, it's it's how hard is it to know how to do that job? Well, and that's that takes a lot of expertise. You don't have necessarily the time or wherewithal to right. put into that. Well, but you know, I came, I came at it from a different perspective. In going, I can absolutely do this. It takes no brain power for me to do this because I know exactly how I want it filed. I know exactly how I want it categorized. If I can get a Raspberry Pi with a little robotic finger, I could program <laughs> the finger to hit the keyboard. It's like 
I could do that. <laughs> but it was time. If you have a finite amount of time in a given day, and if it would take me two hours, that's, you know. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting it, at. It's a percentage of your day. And it's like I could spend that two hours and I can go close, you know, a $100,000 job. Exactly. And pay an accountant $65 an hour to do your books. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. So if I, I want to go back to a question I asked earlier, which was about specialties and the sort of way that you've sort of, uh, if you're talking about how you have to find somebody to replace yourself, if you're a specialist, right. if you really do something well, isn't it insanely tough to find somebody that can do it like you? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you'll never find somebody who will do it like you. And you have to be okay with that. Um, it may take four people to do what you do. And you got to be okay with that. So it's, it's not like you're going you're gonna to find this magic bullet person to go like, you know, I want a guy or a girl who, who started design at 13 years old, who loves it and just, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because chances are that person is your competition and you're not going to hire that person. So you, <laughs> or you, the magic bullet finds you. Or the you magic bullet you find finds you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, and, and, and as, as you're building your signature, and I think this is a big part of it. As freelancers, we, I think a big part of giving that up is you don't want to give up your brand or your signature, what you feel your clients are hiring you for. You know, right. it's, it's the style that you put on these videos that we really like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, to grow that, you have to you have to let go, as you said earlier. There has mm-hmm. to be uh, a jumping off point, at which point to grow that brand, you know, unless you're a painter and Michelangelo, and Michelangelo did a lot of painting, but realistically, if he'd had a company of painters, he could have done a lot more. Yeah, It wouldn't have been the Sistine Chapel exactly as perfectly and flawlessly right. as he made it, but it would have been to his design, and people still would have known it was Michelangelo's painting company. Exactly. You know, another way to look at it is, you know, Ferrari. You know, yeah. they make a wonderful automobile, and everyone is absolutely fantastic, but there's not one person who's sitting in the warehouse, and that one person is making every Ferrari. <laughs> you develop systems and procedures, and mm-hmm. that that's, that's what Ferrari is. Right. That's it's how you work it. Yeah. The, and the larger your business gets, the more it becomes the systems and procedures that you put in place. And so you can still have your influence on your own company, mm-hmm. and your artistry can still be felt in it. Right. Exactly. And, there, you know, there are jobs that I'll art direct that I haven't even moved the mouse. But you look at them, st- and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it looks like Tharp did that. Yeah. You know, so because there's a style that I have and there's a style that I've built this company around. Um, but that's also a bad thing because <laughs> when you build it around your own style, it's like, well, you know, damn, dude, can you do anything else? And it's like, you know, you need to bring other people in and have those people grow. And that's where right. I've kind of found myself is I'm kind of here for the people that I've surrounded me with to grow. I want them to be able to grow. I want them to come to me in a couple of years going, hey, I'm, I'm actually going to go out and start my own business. Awesome. I'm like, that would be fantastic. I, I, have, I have this one guy who comes in and he Wait. works four or five days a week. <laughs> and I told him, and he, he super nice guy, loyal to a fault. And he goes, you know what? I like, I could just see myself working for you forever. And I'm like, dude, that, that is a fantastic compliment. 
However, I want you to come to me in three years going, I actually got a job at ILM. I got to bounce. And he goes, you don't want me here? And I go, no, no, I do. I want you to get better than this. I want you to get better than what I've built. Because if you're not, you're stagnated. And I'm not doing my job both as as a business owner and as a, you know, a friend. But it's Good like, manager. Right, yeah. It's like you, you, want, you want these people you've hired to be able to leave. But you so want to saying, create a culture for them to stay with you. <laughs> so, so you're saying your business wants to have business babies of its own. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll have to think about my response to that. Yeah, yeah I'll let you dodge that question. <laughs> yeah, um, I know that uh, I'm defer. you're... you're <laughs> To give you the opportunity to always be selling here and market yeah. yourself a little yeah. bit, can you plug stuff from the end of the show here? Um, like a client or what? No, I mean no, something just, that you would want to plug for people to check out yeah. or just. Oh, you know what? Um, I would plug my website, but I actually just got off the phone with the designer of it, and it should be launching here probably in the next month or so. But well, um, yeah, this will be launching in a little bit, right? Well, you want to plug like an album or a movie you like? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when when it's up and going, you can go to itwastharp.com and uh, kind of check out Tharp. what we've been doing there. Tharp with no e at the end, right? Tharp with no e, yeah. It's a, the Just traditional I spelling I like to call it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can you can go out there. We'll have uh, you know all the projects that we can that we can show that aren't under NDA, which sadly is kind of ninety percent of the stuff we do is under <laughs> NDA. That will never like we could never say we did it. So, but we did. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> I know well, that feel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Hey, my pleasure. pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's great to have you on. I'll and, still look uh, for that for remote, we'll meet up in uh, person remote guest uh, trophy. Oh, I'm, I'm still <laughs> looking it's for coming. that. We'll, we'll send it's that coming. down uh, uh, via snail I'm going to get it engraved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Perfect. Take care. Awesome, See guys. Thanks.